Hello, and welcome back to Rose Pod Classes to Careers, the Rose Holman podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Reese Seeger. And I'm Isaac Town. And today we are going to be talking about Rose's innovation centers, the BIC and the Kick. And to help us with that, we have Lee Daigle, administrative assistant for the BIC, the Kick, and engineering design, and then one of the electrical engineering students, Garrett Hart, who is very involved in the BIC. So, how are you guys today? Doing good. Thanks. Yeah, pretty good. Okay, good deal then. Would you guys mind telling us a little bit about yourselves, what your involvement in the BIC and the Kick is, kind of how you got to where you are? Sure. So I've worked in higher ed for a number of years in large institutions, small institutions. I worked at an all-women's school, took a break to be a mom, and then decided to come back and am working at the BIC and the Kick. And honestly, I love it. I get to work with some amazing students. I do a lot of their purchasing and business things for their teams. I coordinate travel, and then I also get to help coordinate some of the machining classes. It's amazing working with these students. They are ridiculously smart. So it's also kind of humbling, but <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I suppose my road to the BIC was a little bit abnormal. I actually started, I'm local from one of the high schools here. And so I started with the first robotics team, high school competition team that is ran and hosted out of the BIC. And so I started back in 2016, just being in the building. And then eventually, you know, came here for electrical engineering as a student. And then I've been involved since. So this is my ninth year in the BIC. Definitely, you know, abnormal from a Rose student perspective. But I mean, the things I've done while I'm here are things that a lot of students would have similar stories about. I also work at the Innovation Center. I, <laughs> I mess with all the 3D printers. So I have my own share of stories from that. But from your guys' perspectives, can you guys, for those listening, I guess, who don't know what the Innovation Centers are, can you kind of provide an overview of what they are, how they kind of fit into Rose's experience? I feel like, too, we should clarify what they stand for because... Oh, yeah. That, okay, that is that is also probably important. Yeah, they so are the, acronyms. Yeah, the BIC is the Branham Innovation Center, and the KIC is the Kramer Innovation Center, to clarify that for everybody listening. <laughs> so the Branham Innovation Center was built a number of years ago, and it's about 16,000 square feet of space for competition teams. It provides our competition teams with an area that they can, you know, whether it's building their concrete canoe or working on their cars or building rockets, which I know Garrett will talk about probably later. And then the Kramer Innovation Center, the KIC, that's about 13,000 square feet. And that was built in response to a need for more space, some more maker space on campus. We also have some mechanical engineering classrooms, a wind tunnel, things like that. So it was really designed for students to come in and explore and to, you know, as the name says, be innovative and sort of take everything that they're working on in their classrooms and get some hands-on experiences. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the taglines from the big, it's on, you know, any of the big shirts, which you get are pretty cool, actually. It's like where innovation lives. And I think that sums up everything really well. More so, you know, there's a maker space in the big. There's a lot of teams, a lot of individualized space, work bays, work benches that are allocated to people. And one of those is a makerspace. But I think maybe more better put is like the entire building, both buildings are a makerspace. There is no real hard boundary actually of where that makerspace, maker lab, the community space is because the whole building is just like one big resource that people share. And like I said, that transcends teams' boundaries. Teams lend each other tool. They lend each other knowledge. They lend each other students themselves. You know, even just yesterday, like at First Robotics needed a, a hex bearing parts and we went to one of the other robotics teams and just like we're asking around for one. And so it has this really large makerspace vibe. I can definitely agree with the sentiment. I mean, I only really started getting involved there, I want to say spring quarter of my freshman year, just kind of learning about whatever was in there. I took some of the classes, which we'll have to 
we'll have to make sure to talk about because those are always fun. But yeah. learning about the 3D printers, I took some classes and the next thing I knew I was working there, kind of getting to learn even more about that kind of stuff. And I've definitely worked with a lot of fun people. And I think, Isaac, something that you said that's really important is you started as a freshman. And I think that makes us distinct in that you don't have to be a graduate student. You don't have to be a special major. You can walk in your first day of being on campus and get involved in whatever way you want. And we're going to help you do that. And I think that's something that I see a lot of people on a tour. They get so excited that, you mean, I can come here and I can start building a rocket as a freshman? Absolutely. You know, we want you. Teams are looking for a freshman to come in and I think that's really something pretty cool about our centers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that kind of covers like a question that I was going to mention, just how people get involved at the Bick and the Kick and what it really means. Because like I always try to encourage when I walk my tours through Mm -hmm. both innovation centers, I'm like, first of all, a lot of people are like initially shocked and kind of scared of the innovation centers because there's a lot in them. Mm -hmm. But I try to always push that like, Even if a club sounds like it has a specific major that dominates it, they want people who are interested in what they're doing rather than just people who fit like the academic criteria. Yep. Yeah. The usual example, of course, is Concrete Canoe. You think that mostly it's civil engineers, but I know there's a mechanical engineer on it. I'm not sure if there's any others, but I think it's frankly really impressive that they make a canoe out of concrete. I mean, I understand the physics behind it aren't that complicated, but I still appreciate the fact that they have to manufacture that. And that cannot be easy. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how they get it out. Like, I understand making it in the first place. Who's lifting it? Well, you know, it's funny you would say that, Reese, because two years ago, the group built their canoe and they were mostly freshmen and sophomores. So it was a young group. And remember, we had COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there wasn't a whole lot of history and expertise. So two years ago, they built a canoe and they were so excited well, they built it so large that they physically couldn't get it out of the building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up snapping in half and it was a big mess. So I remember um, that. But, but here's something kind of interesting. So that was two years ago. Last year, they built a canoe, went to competition and came in fourth out of nine. Yeah. So, so I mean, there was a lot of learning that took place in just one short year. That's kind of cool. But I don't understand it either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, concrete canoe is always a fun one to start with. But do you guys want to go through and just if you know it off the top of your head, which I'm sure you guys do, just list all the teams that there are in the kick and the big. There's three in the kick, right? And then way more in the big. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we could just run through like in the order, even in the bay. Yeah. So I mean, starting very far bay, we have Design Build Fly, who builds both hobby planes, you know, just what you'd take out and fly like backyard planes, just having some fun. And then also builds a plane every year to go compete uh, normally in Arkansas and compete against other engineering schools. Kimmy Car builds a car that's powered by a chemical reaction every year. Skipping over to FIRST Robotics. So, I mean, a lot of people listening, especially high schoolers, have probably heard about FIRST Robotics. If not, it's a high school robotics competition. Definitely, if you're looking to STEM, like, check and see if you have one in your area. It's a huge thing you can do. But that's another team in the building. Concrete Canoe, we just touched on. Human Power Vehicle is they build really fast, really high-performance bicycles. And, you know, you'd think, oh, wow, bicycle. You'd also think, oh, wow, who knows, you know, can't be that hard to ride a bike. And Lee's probably laughing at the team trying to get out one of the old bikes from, you know, that a team built 10 years ago. They got it down off the shelf and tried to ride it. And, uh, that just kept falling over. And for context, you know, mentally, like this is people like laying down almost like drag car style, like fully reclined. Yeah. And they're, you know, in this aerodynamic carbon fiber hull. And so it's actually really hard to get it balanced. So they just get falling over. Whenever I describe it, I'm like, it's kind of like a mix of like a bike and like a bobsled. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good description. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, that, that is a really good description yeah. of it. I'll have to use that. <laughs> and then you have uh, rocketry building. There's a couple kind of sub-teams in there building a liquid rocket engine, a competition for an annual NASA competition, similar to Design Build Fly, taking out to Huntsville, Alabama and launching every year to meet competition specifications. And then a, a cube satellite group building uh, a small satellite to put into space. Grand Prix Engineering is a Formula SAE competition, Society of Automotive Engineers. And they build a small Formula One car from scratch every year. That's actually probably one of like the most impressive teams to me that I definitely underappreciated as a freshman. <laughs> I did not realize like how much went into that as a freshman. I probably would have joined my freshman year if I knew, honestly. And then Team Rose Motorsports is they just have four full-size, you know, cars in their bay from a Porsche to a Mustang and a BMW. And they just work on them, take them out to autocross strips, local events, and kind of have fun. And then moving over to the kick, we have the makerspace that we mentioned, just tools to work on any projects and anything that you're interested in outside of classes. We have the robotics teams, and it's kind of similar to rocketry, a few subgroups there. Combat Robotics builds robots that fight each other, just like BattleBots. Mate builds an underwater robot. They go compete against other engineering universities. RoboMasters builds three robots <laughs> to compete against other universities. And then Rover builds a robot to mimic a Mars rover. And then we kind of end with uh, Make It Happen, which is a community-based project team. And so they work on projects to help people in the community, whether it's aiding in like disabilities, so making prosthetic limbs or making devices to take care of like disabled children. To sum it up, there's a lot of really cool things that happen mm -hmm. in the spaces. I like to say there's something for literally like every single interest you could have relating to engineering. Oh, absolutely. And just to touch on it again, because of how important I think it is, at least it doesn't really matter what your major is. I'm a computer engineer, but I know how to use a mill because I wanted to learn how to use a mill. And I did. I have no no practical reason in my degree <laughs> to know how to use a mill other than the fact that I wanted mm -hmm. to use the machine. So I took the classes and I used the machine and it was a lot of fun. So if you want to try something, just do it. Maybe you won't be great at it initially. I mean, I'm assuming that most people wouldn't be great at something initially because you got to learn about it. And the people at Rose will help you learn. That's kind of the vibe. If you want to learn about something, there are people who can teach you about it and they're happy to teach you about it. Okay. Is battery challenge related to you guys or is that a separate thing? Yes and no. So it's not a student government associated recognized club, but it is based out of academics, but they use our space, okay. if that makes sense. So the students who are part of that, there's about 40 students. They get eight hours of elective credit if they want to take the classes. They don't have to take classes to be a part of it. But we have the physical spaces because there's a number of requirements when they're working on, you know, trying to create various batteries that at some point will hopefully be out in you know, the real world, so to speak, doing electric vehicles, you know, there's danger. So we have the fireproof safe areas that they can do their batteries in. So they do a lot of work with us, but they're really based out of the two professors who are in charge of that are electrical engineering and mechanical engineering. I think the battery challenge is pretty cool too, because it's something that uh, we applied for and we're like accepted to. So it kind of highlights, I think that Rose being a small school, but competing with right up there with, you know, the top engineering school. So we're one of 12 schools competing in the battery challenge team. And that battery challenge is to build an electric battery pack for an electric vehicle in the next three years. So it's a three year, it's not a competition team. Like most of these competitions compete year over year, but it's kind of one of those special project teams that's funded by department of energy. And so, I mean, yeah, when you come to Rose, you're looking for engineering schools and you're looking to what's a place to get the best education. And it's like, well, here's one of 12 schools competing in this electric vehicle challenge. 
For sure. Yeah. Yeah. How many classes and, and things like that actually use the space? Because I know, for example, that there's a lot of, well, of course, from the 3D printer side of thing, every couple of weeks we'll get a massive wave of prints for like design for manufacturing or mechatronics. We'll get a lot of mechatronics prints and things like that. Do you guys know how many different classes have their students using the BIX resources? You know, I honestly don't, Isaac, and that would be a really great question to try and find out. I know it's a lot, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I know, um, I think there's this perception of, oh, well, we'll just 3D print it. That'd be easy. And that's when you and the rest of the workers kind of come in and go, well, hold on a second. So there's a learning opportunity there too, even if they're not, you know, in the BIC themselves physically. I know that we get prints for a lot of different, I mean, for a lot of different mm -hmm. clubs, obviously, that's one of the main reasons, but I guess actually just kind of to summarize this to people listening. As I said, I do, I work with the 3D printers out of the kick. We have a pretty large 3D printer farm, resin printing, a lot of just SLA, like PLA printing. Lots of elephants. We have a Prusa XL yes. now. Yes, lots of elephants. We print a lot of tiny elephants for prospective students, for students at Rose. We theme them over different holidays. So so we do, we do print fun things as well. But the idea is that people with club projects and people with class projects can send their parts to us and then we print them. They don't have to pay for the filament. We handle all the slicing, getting it on the printers, repairing the printers, that kind of stuff. And we just let them know when it's done. So it's definitely a nice resource for those who are in like mechanical engineering, engineering design, biomedical engineering, all that kind of stuff that involves a lot of modeling and testing and prototyping mm -hmm. because then they can get those and not have to pay a ton of money. We just print the stuff, we give it to them, we give them suggestions if need be on how to best make it printable. Students get a lot of use out of it. We're almost constantly printing things to help with projects and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think what you said also hints on something that makes the BIC really unique compared to other schools and like just as something by itself is that it's very largely student ran by students for students. I say that with a huge asterisk of the BIC wouldn't exist without Tom and Lee, <laughs> um, but at the same time, so I'm an electrical engineering major, but I'm one of the students that help run the water jet. And so there's three of us that there's an email that you send anything that you want water jet and cut to, you kick water jet at Rose Holman. And one of the three of us will get that email, grab your stock, put on the water jet, cut your part, give it back to you. And, you know, it's not a for-profit service. We charge, you know, a dollar a minute and that's just to pay for the sands. Honestly, the big pays more just for paying me to run the water jet than it does for the sands. But that's pretty unique. I think about the big that it's students printing parts for students. It's students cutting out parts for students. We got a Tormach CNC last year and it was mainly one student. I helped a little bit, but it was mainly one student assembling this $40,000 CNC. So, you know, we got it on here all in uh, pallets, <laughs> right? We got pallets of just this CNC unloaded and it's just one student assembling it. And, you know, Tom, the, the manager of the big and kick, uh, you know, walks to the room and was like, How's it going, Bryson? Is it assembled yet? Any idea when it's going to be assembled? It's like, Tom doesn't know how to assemble it. You know, most of us don't know how to assemble it. <laughs> so now it's even currently just a student who had previous machine shop experience and CNC experience that is teaching students on other competition teams how to use CNC and C. So now it's even a student's like peer taught system on teaching other students how to use it. And this just goes, I think, for all the tools in the BIC as a whole and is what makes it really accessible and like really unique. And then just from a work environment and kind of accelerates or ingrains like the fast pace, like move fast, design fast, like learn fast, fail fast. You know, when you can start a meeting and design a part, begin the meeting, send it to the email 
And if one of your team members maybe is on the, the water jet team or just walk around the building and say like, hey, Axel, do you have a second water jet this for me? And then within that same meeting, you know, within that same two hour block, get that part back and get that feedback of like, is it working or not? That's just a super fast pace that you know, I know talking to people on other first robotics teams, for example, like we'll, we'll talk on competition and just telling them that we have the ability to start a meeting, realize the part isn't working, design a new part, have it cut out and then put it on the robot. That same meeting is just like insane. But I think, Eric, you know what you said, Tom and I are there. Our role is simply to assist you. We are to assist you to do the best that you can do to get to competition and compete with all the other, you know, whether they're large or small, we want to empower you. You know, bottom line is we want you to gain the skills and have all the knowledge in manufacturing and creating and revising and learning how to pivot when you fail. Basically, we want you to become a better engineer before you even graduate. You know, the fact that it is so student focused, that's the whole mission for us to simply assist you so that you can learn to approach challenges, learn to like I said, pivot. And even when you're having these team meetings, learn how to negotiate, learn how to work with other folks, you know, learn how to be a mechanical engineer, but work with a civil engineer, work with um, an electrical, have an understanding of what each person's bringing to the table. That's something that the Bick and the Kick, I think, do really well, that when you graduate, you really have a sense of what it takes to be successful within a group. And I think employers are looking at that. Yeah. You know, it's yes, do you have the skills, but can you also function with other people? Can you listen and change? And, yeah. you know, I think that's really important. So it makes me happy, Garrett, to hear that that's something that is noticed because that is intentional, but we don't say that. No, it's definitely noticed. I mean, a lot of companies will go through the BICs, the BIC and the kick, like, and yeah. just look at the competition yes. teams. I mean, I think the biggest thing is they know how to fail. Because failing is really hard to learn how to do gracefully. And sometimes it's not graceful. But if your recovery is graceful, that can help. I have some failures that were not graceful that I learned in the bit. <laughs> but it's better to learn it now, right? Exactly. Yeah. Learn those things yeah. now. Take those risks now so that you can learn to approach things and that you're not doing that later. There's a story I tell. It was over the summer. There was a couple that I don't even know where they were from. were driving by and happened to see billboards on I-70 saying that we were the number one engineering school. And this gentleman was an engineer and had retired. And he goes around to engineering schools. And his sole purpose is to help design innovation centers, like to do that. Oh, okay. That's awesome. That's yeah. Cool. It's, what a great job, right? But he saw our billboard just pulled off the side of the road and came down to the innovation center. And I got to give him a tour and he was so impressed with the size. So impressed with the opportunities that our students have. I mean, he was just really amazed and was just kind of stepping back and going, wow, y'all are doing it right. That's cool. Yeah. Well, if we even have some random guy whose only job is to design innovation centers approval, I'd say it's a pretty good thing. Yeah. I was just going to say like building off a little bit about like, the failures and the successes of the bick and the kick. I don't want to say like, I don't want you to show any bias, but is there something like a success of one of the clubs or one of the anything that you think is like the most successful thing that the bick and the kick has done? There can be multiple too. What do you think of success when you think of the bick and the kick? I'm going to pass that over to Garrett because I think Garrett and his team is a success story. Because when I first started working here four years ago, we didn't have a rocket tree team. Garrett pushed and pushed and really put together an amazing proposal and ideas. 
And so to see that we started with nothing, to see where they are now with NASA launches and students getting certified in all different ways, Garrett, I think, and they have you to thank for that. So I'm not just saying that because you're here. I would say that if you weren't here too, but (laughs) I think Reese, when you think about from start to finish, it's not just about a project. Yeah. So Garrett, I'm going to let you talk about that because I think the rocketry team screams success in the innovation centers. Well, thank you. I guess I I did kind of jot down a couple of things for, I think ironically, I'd pass it off to my roommate. So rocketry didn't exist. My freshman year, it was my sophomore year that my friend Ryan and I had an idea to build rockets and like test them in my grandparents' field on the other side of town. We were just going to put a hole in their field. Like, okay, sure. You can put a hole in our field. Um, (laughs) And a couple other students like kind of caught winds. We were like, oh, maybe we could start a club with this. And it kind of started a club and it just kind of snowballed from there. Like the big definitely like empowers you to like, if there's something you want to do, just do it. And kind of where this is going, you know, sophomore year, just a couple of students on a club, you know, we launched a rocket that's, you know, the ungraceful failure that I mentioned, uh, the rocket didn't deploy its parachute and hit the ground at like 300 miles an hour. And we spent three hours digging a six foot <laughs> hole to get out of the ground. By get out of the ground, I mean, recover shrapnel. It was not recoverable at all. Um, so like to go from that, to, you know, just ride it. And, you know, the club was like small enough then, like, you know, the only two people that came and make it to that launch because it was over break was Ryan and I. So for the two of us to go from that, and then there was distinctly a conversation in sophomore year where we were just like, how cool would it be, you know, five years outside of post-graduation to come back as alumni, come from homecoming and see Rose doing like propulsion, like making like rocket engines, like it'd be like really cool. And then flash forward two years and Ryan's uh, senior capstone project last year was a rocket engine. It was, you know, small 50 pound force thrust. So not very big, but it was indeed a rocket engine. It was something that we didn't expect to see until post-graduation, let alone for him to be the one doing it. You know, we very much thought we were just kind of like laying the groundwork for the group to follow us. And we wanted to see Rose do this, which is why we put the effort into it. Fast forward one more year, the Rocket G team was accepted one of 13 schools to compete in the Collegiate Propulsive Landing Challenge, CPLC, which is a challenge to, in four years, build an engine and a rocket that lands SpaceX style, like goes up and comes back down on his engine. Just adding to that list real quick, you know, we started not having a team. It was a couple of students with just like a random idea. It was a couple of students who were digging a hole to get a rocket out of a cornfield to <laughs> an engine that did, like fired by the end of Ryan's senior year to one year later this year being accepted to a challenge to build an engine SpaceX style to then earlier this year, Ryan shared a post on LinkedIn of his first ever like professional rocket flight of an engine that he worked on at Blue Origin. He's now a test engineer there and got to see his first engine that he worked on fly and land SpaceX style and has a picture of him with a big shirt on in front of the engine, like two thumbs up. (laughs) I think that is like, as a whole, I think sums up the BIC really, really well. I was about to say that. I mean, that's like the quintessential BIC experience. That's pretty awesome. It's your passion. What is your passion? And I think that the BIC and the kick shine when the students come down with their passion and this is what they love and we're going to do what we can to help them be successful yeah i mean for example i didn't know i like 3d printers and now i'm i design all the fun little attachments to the elephants and i'm always in there repairing printers and burning myself occasionally but i refer to you as my 3d guy i got a guy i got a guy who can help me with the 3d printer oh absolutely absolutely (laughs) yeah and as I feel like a lot that we've said were very inspirational, like closing remarks. But as we do wrap up a little, like, is there anything, one last thing about the Bick and the Kick, both of you, either of you? I think if I were to say anything, maybe even summarizing my, my last story is just like the Bick is this huge enabler and just whatever you want to make out of it. And that's 
to maybe make that a little bit more narrow scope, it's just just ask. And like that's rose as a community. But when you put like that culture of like just ask and they're, you know, the place that you're in is like filled with people, whether it's like that place is like your dorm room or your like academic hall or like the big. But when you put a bunch of people in a building that is this huge makerspace that also have the mindset and like idea or ideology of like just ask and they'll stop what they're doing and drop what they're doing to help you or even work with you for like this multi-year effort of developing rocket engines. Like you can do so much there. I mean, I still look back and like, there are so many things I wish I did, so many tools I wish I like I used, so many projects I wished I asked for help on to start and I should have started way sooner and like feel I didn't get to do. So yeah, come to the bank and just ask. If you want to join a team, but you think it's too late in your freshman year, I know there's a lot of students that freshman year, first quarter, don't want to like take on too much. And mm-hmm. then kind of winter or spring, they're like, oh, well, too late this year. So maybe sophomore year, I'll get involved. So like, don't wait till sophomore year. Just come down on the big, like at any random time and just ask. Yeah, that's definitely one of the the Rose things all about those connections. Just just ask. Rose is mm-hmm. your support system, regardless of what you're trying to get support on. Yeah, I always tell people I work in the coolest buildings on campus and I believe it. You know, and I think not every problem or not every issue thing has a textbook answer. So come down to the BIC, get your hands dirty and figure it out. Yeah. You can just wash your hands afterwards. It'll be great. Exactly. <laughs> we have industrial soap to help you get clean. It took me a long time to realize there was industrial soap in the bathroom to get grease off your hands. <laughs> I wish I knew that sooner. I should have asked. You should have asked. You should have asked. Should have asked. Come on. You've... <laughs> You've been here for long enough. Come on, yeah. nine years of the big, and you just now realize that? No, I, I mean, I learned a few years ago, but it shouldn't have taken me a few years. I mean, I didn't know that, but I haven't been there as long as you have. So we'll just say that I now I know. Yeah, I now I know too. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Well, too. thank you guys very much. Thank you for your knowledge on the big and the kick. I feel like I know a lot more now. Oh, yes. Well, thank you guys so much to all the listeners out there. Thank you for tuning in and... As always, we will be back next time. Yeah, thank you guys for spending your time with us today, both you guys and the listeners. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And then also follow Rose Holman on Instagram. It's just Rose Holman. And also, does Innovation Centers have their own Instagram? Or are they kind of like tagged on to Rose Holman? R-H-I-T Innovation Centers. R-H-I-T Innovation Centers. Well, there you have it. A number of our teams have Instagram as well. Yes. Yeah, so you can follow any of those teams. Yeah. I think there's information on all the teams on the website as well, right? Yes. Well, thank you, everybody. And we'll see you next episode. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all. See you. Peace out. 